please to Matthew chapter 8. We started Matthew chapter 8 last week. Um, We did four verses, but we talked a lot about um, healing, you know, and God's will. Because coming out of the Sermon on the Mount, we found that the big issue, the big topic that we're learning from from Christ in his very own words. And I do believe these gospel writers are very clever in laying out their writings as they did. They aren't just accidental, but they're intentional. And so in the Sermon on the Mount, we see that Jesus is talking about God's will. That's a big issue. I mean, character, we see his character, we see righteousness, we see a lot of things, but near the end, he's basically talking about God's will. And that's why he ends it by saying, the obedient ones, you know, you're talking about a tree that's healthy and that's good, produces fruit. It's an obedient tree. And then as opposed to one that is, um, you know, a fake, you know, one that looks right on the outside, but is, um, but is bad on the inside. And he talks about the wolf, you know, with sheep's clothing. And he also talks about a bad tree that does not produce good fruit, but produces bad fruit. And, and the issue really is about obedience, obedience to God's will. And so with that, he's going on. And right after the sermon, he's coming down from this sermon, coming down the, the mountainside, as we saw it. And if you give us the next slide there, Robert, we can talk about that. It's kind of a recap from last week. Uh, so in way in review, Jesus finishes his sermon, as it was, and then he walks down the mountainside with a group with them, a large group with them. And then, of course, you know, with after ministry care, it's great. You see, Jesus, you know, his, he's probably thinking, wow, it's intense. I need to go home and get something to eat. But no, instead, he, he, the work is yet to be done. So a leper comes to him. And, and of course, here, Jesus might be asking, what do I do? Because culturally speaking, um, and, you know, it appears through some of these scriptures here that Jesus didn't give much thought to culture as it were. Maybe he did, but he thought the culture was screwy and needed to be changed. And so culturally speaking, you know, he sees his leper and he should have stayed clear away from him. You know, give him a wide berth, walk around him. But instead, he, he allows the leper to come to him. The leper, he's humbled and he's brazen because the leper had a responsibility to yell unclean. And to, you know, present himself as unclean and, and to announce that he's there and stay away from me. That was his responsibility. But instead, the, the brazen leopard in faith comes to him. And of course, faith, I like what Billy Graham, he, he calls faith total trust. So in total trust, he comes over to him. He lays down before him, you know, in humility and, and a bit brave, a bit brazen. Heal me. And, and Jesus heals him. But with that, we, we're going to see a lot of healing in the next few chapters. And so with that, we stepped aside a little bit and said, but when is it in God's will and when is it not in God's will that somebody is healed? Because we're talking about God's will, right? Isn't that what we just came from, the Sermon on the Mount? He comes down, he sees a leopard. And at this particular time, and he even said, the leopard said, if it be your will, heal me. And God said, yes, it is. And God's will is, you know, so here, I will heal you. So a big part of it is what is God doing? What's God's plan? What has God got going on? And so with that, we took a look at the, um, the fellow at the beautiful gate, the temple of Jerusalem. And in Acts 3, 1 through 10, we saw that this man was finally healed. But we also know that Jesus visited the temple quite a bit, very often. So for all those years when Jesus was alive visiting the temple, this man, the beautiful gate, was there. And he was in a very 
common area at the beautiful gate. It's believed that the, this area was, was uh, in a common area where most people who would go visit the temple would walk past him and see him. And, and he was there. He was a burden of the people, if you will. You know, they saw him and people had to decide, what are we going to do? Are we going to give him charity or are we going to ignore him today? But Jesus, he could have healed him at any point when he was the temple. But for some reason, he decided not to. Not until the, the right time. And so timing is a big issue with healing, I believe, you know. Uh, and for some, you know, healing may come later on in life. For others, healing may come in eternity. Here, for this man, you know, he was touched by, you know, Peter and John. And he was healed in, in his temporal life. And he was, of course, very happy about that. Uh, and also, there was a secondary result, a secondary um, you know, consequence, which was, I believe, fulfilling God's will in the big picture of things. And we see also in Acts 3, 1 through 10, that thousands, it says 5,000 men were counted, which could have very much all been tens of thousands of people. If it was just the men were counted at 5,000, how many more women and children came to faith that day? So we saw that thousands of people came to faith in Jesus that day. So there's a big picture. And as Christians, we're evangelical in nature. We want people to know Jesus and not just have physical healing only, but to have spiritual healing only. I remember one time, I actually uh, heard a charismatic uh, teacher. I, I went to a meeting and uh, a little bit suspicious about this meeting <laughs> as I am about healings. It was a healing meeting. And I was like, okay. And I knew the guy who was there was well known for um, uh, a movement that actually tend to go into kind of weirder things. And so I, I went to it kind of, um, you know, with suspicious and skeptic as I might be. But he actually said, very well said, he goes, listen, Jesus is interested in, in one kind of healing in totality. One healing, one, there's one thing Jesus is interested in, first and foremost, that's a spiritual healing, spiritual well-being. He wants us to be spiritually right. That is why Jesus died on the cross, so that we would all, first and foremost, be spiritually healed, spiritually whole. And I said, that's great. Because a lot of people who are into that kind of over-emphasizes the healing kinds of things, you know, the faith healers and the, you know, the kind of, you know, prosperity kinds of people, they, they put over-emphasis on not spiritual things, but kind of the, the physical or the earthly things. But this man wasn't like that, and I was quite impressed with it. Unfortunately, there are many in his, in his movement that don't represent that viewpoint, and I think that's very sad, but I think he rightfully said it when he said, Jesus wants to heal the soul and the heart. But then after that, he goes, but he could heal you physically. We were open to that, and I'm open to that. I think Christians, we should be open to God healing, and we should be praying. The Bible tells us to continue praying, and I like that because there was a beautiful meeting afterwards where he goes, well, now, if you have something you need to be prayed for, come up, we'll pray for healing. And, you know, it was great. It was simple and it was humble. So the people came up and they prayed and they moved away. Didn't make a big palab over it. But he gave the gospel first. I think that's very important. Jesus is interested in souls and spirits because these are, as we've talked in the past, your soul, your spirit is who you are. When you die, and frankly, unless Jesus comes and takes us away soon, we're all going to die at some point. But we don't end our lives. Our lives aren't ended because our lives are contained within our souls and our spirits. That's what Christians believe. We're dualists in the sense that we believe in we have a, a physical body, but we also have a non-physical, spiritual side of us, or a soul, if you will. So nowadays, a lot of people refer to it as a mind or whatnot. But that's who we are, our wills, our hearts, all these different things. And that is... And that's what we want. That's the eternal part of us. That's the part that lives on, everlasting. And that's what Jesus is interested in. And that's why in the Sermon on the Mount, he talks about putting your treasure into temporal things. 
but put in your treasure and eternal things. And so we talk about that in a broad sense, and one of the elements would go into this. What's more important to you, your spiritual well-being or, well-being, or your physical well-being? Again, put your treasure into eternal things that don't, or heavenly things, he says, that, that don't stop, that don't, that can't be attacked by moth and rust. Our bodies not be attacked by moth and rust, but it could be attacked by sickness and illness and old age. That's temporal as well. And of course, we believe that in the afterlife we will be resurrected to complete bodies, to celestial bodies, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. But it's a spiritual thing that comes first. It's that who we are in, in, in Christ and in God, that that be healed and that be complete. So let's move on. Next slide. So we started looking at possible reasons why God might not heal. And that's important to look at because we don't want to expect that God will heal you every single time. If you have a certain amount of faith or a certain amount of belief or, or you tick a certain amount of boxes, there's various variables, various reasons why God may delay or may choose, well, I will say delay, because I believe you will be healed if you're spiritually healed. You know, if, you're, if you pass away and you die, you will be healed in the eternal life. You will be healed when you're in presence of God. There's no doubt about it. We'll be complete. We'll be whole in the presence of the Lord. But there's maybe reasons why he delays these, this healing. And this is adopted from a book called Tough Topics by Sam Storm. Uh, and the first obvious reason may be faith or, or the lack thereof. And we have to consider that. We do have to consider that. Because uh, the scriptures does talk about that quite a bit. In fact, there's three mentions in Matthew, which we'll deal with in time since we're studying through Matthew. Uh, two are going to be found really quickly here in chapter 9, the next chapter. And then we'll see an instance in chapter 15. But also in the other gospel writers, he, they do make a very clear distinction that faith is a part of it. Okay, because in Matthew 2, 5, 11, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. So on and so forth. Mark 5, 34. And he said, Jesus, speaking here, Daughter, your faith has made you well. What does that mean? Your faith has made you well. Of course, I put the word all over here, kind of subliminally, so you can see, again, Billy Graham's definition of faith. Total trust. Total trust in God. Total trust in Jesus Christ. That has made these people well. Mark 10, 52, Jesus said to him, go your way, your faith has made you well. Luke 17, 19, he says, rise, go your way, your faith has made you well. So what I want to say at this point here is faith is sufficient for healing. Okay, but why God doesn't heal or delays to heal, it isn't necessarily a lack of faith. Okay, there are those who would say if you're not healed, it's because it's necessary, you don't have enough faith. I reject that teaching. I would say that faith is sufficient for healing. Okay? And maybe a lack of faith is sufficient for a non-healing. But you might have all the faith in the world and still God might choose to delay. And there's reasons why. Because there's other reasons. There's other variables. There's other... We can't just stop at faith and say, Oh, you're not healed? And I've met people who actually say that. In fact, I've heard people say that um, Paul wasn't healed because of lack of faith. Because he had that, what is it called, the, the thing with his eye condition or whatever. He calls it a thorn in the flesh. What? Paul? A lack of faith? But they might have to then justify and say, well, actually, he wasn't really sick. You know, what? <laughs> he made it very clear that he was asking God for healing. For three times he pleaded with God for healing and he didn't heal him. What's up with that? So we can't say that if God's delaying because... And only because there's no faith. Because you could have full faith, but God might still choose to delay. 
but it, it's a possible reason. It's a possible reason. But and let's look actually in the scriptures that we're in right now. Yep. So here then in Matthew eight fifteen, we do see an instance of healing because of a trust, total trust in God, total trust in Jesus Christ, and faith, okay? So here I titled this, you know, what kind of faith? And here's one example of many that we will see. And it's the centurion, which is interesting. It's the centurion, he's a Gentile. And we know that because of his um, dialogue that he has with Jesus. He's a centurion, a Roman, Gratio man, um, who, you know, who was responsible, you know, a, a, a military man who was responsible for soldiers, uh, but he comes to Jesus, like with a leper, with his humility, his humble faith. And I like this as well, and respect. He respects Jesus. He respects the authority of Jesus. He respects the pecking order. He realizes that Jesus has certain charge, certain control. And that's why the word Lord is used very often. Because <laughs> we need to recognize that Jesus is the boss. We can't boss Jesus around. Okay? We come to him with humility like this, and we give him our requests. God, please heal. God, please help. God, please. But we have to have this humble faith mixed with the respect that it's Jesus' decision to do. It's God's decision. So we need to not come and say, and our will be done. We need to come like Jesus taught us just there in the sermon and say, but your will be done. And this can be a very hard pill for many of us to swallow because we want to have control of our lives and our destinies and our situations. But we can't treat God and Jesus as a puppet. We need to treat him as Lord. And so this is what this man did, and this is a good example for us. Matthew 8, starting in verse 5, it says, When Jesus had entered Capernaum, so here, this is him well after the sermon, and this is him making his way now away from, you know, the leper and away from town. And he's in the Capernaum, and a centurion came to him and asked for help. I like this humility, he asked for help. He didn't demand from Jesus, like many people might say, well, you need to demand that Jesus do the healing. And if you don't demand enough, you're not, he didn't demand he came and said, Lord, he asked for help, Lord. He said, my servant, you know, he lies at home paralyzed, suffering terribly. And Jesus said to him, shall I come and heal him? I like that. What do you want me to do? You want me to come and heal? I'm okay with that. I'm ready for that. And the centurion replied, Lord. I like this. He used the word Lord continuously. He's humble. He's a man who, who, who is in charge. And he's also a man, he's going to say here, who actually takes charge. Okay, He says, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come into my roof. This is a cultural note right here, by the way. Again, this man being a Gentile, uh, you know, Jesus wouldn't want, you know, culturally speaking, you know, a Jewish you know, man wouldn't go into a Gentile home and a gen wouldn't allow a Gentile to come into his home. It's kind of a cultural no-no. So, but here he's recognizing that and he's giving him, you know, as a centurion, he could demand, you must come to my house and you must heal. But no, he came humbly and he respected the cultural, you know, differences. But again, he's humble and he's respectful to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he says, just say the word. I don't want you to come to my house because of the cultural thing. And I respect that. But I also realize and recognize you are that Messiah that the Jews are waiting for. I don't know why the Jews haven't recognized. I don't know why they're not here flooding your presence. <laughs> you are the Messiah, but here I am, a simple man. And I care for my servant. This is his person who's underneath him. I love the heart of this man. He goes, this is my servant. This is a man below me, or a person, might be a woman below me, who, who serves me. But, I, 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 but his heart's there. I want this person healed. Please, can you heal him? And you know what? I know the kind of power and the kind of authority you have, spiritually speaking, that all you have to do is say the word. 
and your angels or whatever it is in the spiritual realm that you know all about, it can happen. That's exactly what we say here. All you have to do is just say the word. To whom? I put that in the notes there. To whom? Who's Jesus speaking to? Well, this is speaking about the spiritual authority of Christ. So all you have to do is say the word and my servant will be healed. What insight this, this man has? I mean, maybe today you might think, well, he's a healer. Well, you need to come in with your, with your medical devices and your contraptions and your tools and, 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 do commit, you know, and do surgery you know, and heal the person. But this guy saw the spiritual power in the spiritual realm. And it's all you have to do is say the word. Um, and he understands, again, that this whole respect of authority. For I myself, a man under authority, and also have soldiers under me. So again, he understands the pecking order of having a boss and yet having that authority, and yet having somebody below, and if you say something will happen. So he sees Jesus, you're Lord, and there's a spiritual behind you, and all you have to do is just say, and then whatever it is that's under you, your servants, if you will, angelic servants, whatever, spiritual servants, whatever they may be, whatever that spiritual realm is that I don't know much about, but Jesus, we know, we recognize that you know all about it. You're preaching it, you're doing it, it's there. So Lord, we're asking you, make it happen. All I have to do is say the words, and then these angels will rush and do the healing for you. What faith this man has. And so Jesus responded, I tell you this, uh, this one, go, wait, where are my soldiers? And I, oh, so he's, he's still continuing talking about his authority. You know, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and the other one, come, and he comes, so on and so forth. So Jesus heard this, right here in the next paragraph. He hears this, and he was amazed and said to those following him, truly I tell you, I have not found faith in Israel with such great faith. So here it is. It's great faith, total trust. This man's coming up to this foreigner, this, different, this person of a different culture, of a different religion, but yet he sees and he recognizes that this man is spiritually, has spiritual authority, and he can heal. So he has great trust and great faith in this man, who is Jesus Christ, whom many of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you know, those of you know, as he's talked about, the, of that kingdom, of that lineage, of that world, should have this kind of trust, this kind of faith. But Jesus is not seeing this in the house of Israel. He's not seeing this with the Jewish people in his time. The Jewish, the religious leaders are proud, and they're, 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 they're contrasting this kind of humility. They have pride, and they dishonor Jesus. But instead, this man has humble faith and respect for Jesus. And Jesus is wondering, what's going on here? Where are the people, my people, the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Why are they not exercising such faith as this Gentile man? And that's why he says, I say to you that many will come from the east to the west, the Gentiles from all over the world. And they will take places at the feet with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Why? Because Abraham, Isaac, are men of faith. And these Gentile people will be men of faith and are men and women of faith. But there's many who are the subjects of the kingdom. Many of those who are, you know, by heritage, by lineage, are connected to Abraham and Isaac and, and Jacob. But they won't be welcomed, as it says here in the NIV, they'll be thrown outside in the darkness, where they'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, there's two ways to interpret that. First of all, there's the kind of literal way of looking at it in context, which says that there's a feast we see here, and then outside of the feast is outside, where it's dark. And then when they're outside in the dark, they're frustrated. So they're crying. And they're, and they're grinding their teeth because they want to be a part of the feast and they can't. And there's the other translation, which is simply says, this is hell. Now, I think they both work. Because I say this, to be, to be present with God is to be in heaven. To be absent from God is to be in hell. So whatever they may be, it's a hell kind of place. 
for me and for those of faith, they want to be. We want to be in the presence of God. We want to be at this great feast with God, with Abraham, with Isaac. That's where we want to be. And to not to be there is a frustrating place. It is a hell kind of place. So if we want to call it literally hell, I don't say, and I don't believe there's any other kind of third dimension, like purgatory or whatnot. We don't believe in that. We believe that once you die, then there's judgments. And so here we see, you know, this frustration, this anger, this crying, this weeping, this darkness. And it's sad because it's from people who should have great faith, but don't. So then Jesus said to the centurion, go, let it be done just as you believed. It would, and I highlight that, just as you believed it would. Believe, belief, faith, total trust, it, it connects. We're talking about believing in God, we're talking about having total trust in God. This faith in God, right? And he believes it. As it is, may it be done. And at that moment, he was healed. Now let's just take a step back and take for granted, take, for, take it into our souls and our minds that Jesus heals. He healed. We need to believe that he healed there. And he can and he does heal. It's Jesus' job. It's Jesus' business. He can do it. He does it. Here we see him doing it. Uh, when he wants. If he wants. If it's God's will. But again, we, we need to continue. If he has delayed, we need to continue coming with him with this faith, which is, as I described, humble. And with respect that he is the Lord. And we're looking for God's will, not our will. So there's other possible reasons why. And so it's not just about faith. Other possible reasons why God might not heal, according to this, this book here, Tough Topics by Sansorm. He mentions unconfessed sin in James 5, 15, 16. It says, the prayer of the faith will save the one who is sick. So we can have all the faith in the world. But the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he'll be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins. It's important that we're real. And that's why repentance is a big part of our walk and our spiritual well-being and our health with God. That we practice reality, if you will. Practice the, the disciplines of, 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 of confession. That means just being real with who you are and, and, and who God is and, and His mercy and His grace. Let's come to Him humbly, confessing our sins. And sometimes we need to come to each other and talk about it and say, listen, pray for me. Pray for my, my, my temptations. Pray for these things I'm struggling with so that we may be healed. Again, is this physical healing? Is it spiritual healing? Maybe a little bit of both. I don't know. But the prayer of a righteous person has great power as is working. There we go. The righteous person, one who's walking with God, person full of faith, there's power, great power. Let's trust in this. And there's the next one, lack of desire. This might seem like a strange one, because who wouldn't want to be healed, right? Who wouldn't want to be healed? It says in John 5, 6, when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? Now, I think this is actually quite a significant one, especially in this day and age. I know a lot of people who don't want to be healed because they get a lot of good benefits from the system. <laughs> think about it. Think about it. I, I mean, we think have to think about this with our own family. You know, with Miles. You know, he, he gets a lot. You know, he's got a nice wheelchair. He gets help getting about. He gets help, you know, with various things. He's really well taken care of. But if he's healed, he may not get as much. But, you know, we have to ask ourselves a question. And I know a lot of people who actually get, you know, money from the government, you know, for... For, for sicknesses and illnesses. And they kind of like it. They're kind of set up, you know? So the question is, do you really want to be healed? Or are you kind of set up, <laughs> you know? And kind of cozy. And I think that's a big issue. 
you know. Uh, again, with the man begging uh, at the at the at the um, at the beautiful gate. Think about him. You know, I mean, people put him there. He was there. He, you know, he played an act. You know, I mean, it was genuine. You know, sure it was genuine. He was sick. He was he couldn't walk. It was genuine. He deserved the pity. He deserved it. But maybe that he was accustomed to that, and it was easier for him to just put his hand out, put the money in, put the money in. Oh, we know this guy. Oh, yeah, how you doing there, buddy? You know, keeping all right. Here, have some money. But now he's healed and he's walking about. He's not going to get the money no more. <laughs> he's going to go get himself a job and work really hard. And I'm telling you right now, it's, it's probably very, very difficult for a man. To, uh, we, we deciphered he was over 40 when he was healed to get a job, you know. What skills do you have? What, what, what talents do you have? Oh, well, guess what? You have to be a laborer. You have to work really, really hard, digging holes and stuff like that. Oh, I kind of want to be back at the beautiful gate where I was sitting on my backside. You, you know what I'm saying? So there's got to be a desire. Are you willing to, to, you know, take the responsibility of having the full health that comes with it? Next one, please. And the next one, lack of prayer. Sometimes we just stop praying. Faith and prayer kind of goes hand in hand. James 4, 2 says, you desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covet, you, you cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not because you ask not. So again, they're frustrated here. And they're, they're fighting because of their frustration. They're confused. And so they take out their anger and their frustration on one another. But they don't stop. To, to just think about things. Today I woke up with Danny and, and you know we had time, but I was just we both were kind of just feeling a bit odd, a bit frustrated, which just happens on Sunday mornings. I don't know if you uh, ever experienced that on a Sunday morning, going to church and getting ready and getting frustrated at one another. But we deal with it only once a week. So you know here we are this morning, you know, and we're like, oh, like let's just sit and pray. And our prayer was a bit dreary, is a bit kind of poor me-ish. I must admit, I don't always pray perfectly. But the thing is, I got it out. I got it out. God, here it is. Here's my poor me pity attitude. Take it, take it, take it. And afterwards, we kind of felt a lot better. We, you know, poor God had to deal with our moaning. But the thing is, here we go. We prayed. We, we took a step of faith. And we did what God told us to do. And that's to pray. And then, of course, the next one, um, demonic influences. Again, it's a spiritual realm. And in this world, there's still just a spiritual the thing is, there's a lot of spiritual apathy. A lot of, and I think Satan likes it. I think Satan likes. If you ever read Screw Tape Letters, and whatnot, and you, see, you know, Cecil is very clever in talking about how, how you know, it, the more we kind of divorce our, our thinking from the spiritual things, and and we live in the world academically where where spiritual, non-physical realms or worlds are just totally not considered. It's, it's that's fantasy. That's for the the, the fiction people. But we're, I mean, people in the academic world talk about real life, real world things. So we're talking about material, physical things. So they don't put a place. Satan loves that because now he can do all kinds of mischief in the spiritual world that is not being taken very seriously. But there is that spiritual world. And so it says in Luke 13, 11, 16. And behold, there was a woman who had been disabled or had a disabling spirit. So she had a disability. For 18 years, she was bent over. Kind of like maybe like a cerebral palsy kind of ailment, you know, bent over, could not fully straighten herself. And of course, you know, how many disabilities, how many are actually spiritual, are demonic oppressions? Here, this is exactly what we see. Don't know. We've got to have the faith to pray for those who have these ailments, these disabilities. And it says here, ought not this woman, speaking of the same woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound, according to the scriptures, according to here in Luke, she had this disabling this, this spirit, and Satan bound her for 18 years. Um, of course, she was healed on the Sabbath, and here's Jesus, unfortunately, have to justify him healing on a Sabbath, doing something good on the Lord's day, but that's for a different sermon. 
And there's two other things, which are ones that, again, may prolong, you know, for even longer or even into eternity. It has nothing to do with us. It has nothing to do with a lack of faith. It has nothing to do with our praying. It has nothing to do with Satan binding us up. It has nothing to do with any of those things, but it has to do with what God's doing in his will. We have the term called divine providence. And this is just kind of God gives, God takes away. Like that sermon, or the song we sing today, he gives and takes away. I hate singing that part of the song. He gives and takes away. In fact, I, there was a while there, I did that song without that bridge in it <laughs> because I hated it. But it's true though. He gives and takes away. He gives and takes away, you know. But I will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. So there are undoubtedly times and seasons in the purposes of God during which his healing power is withdrawn or at least largely diminished. Like what we have just seen here earlier, the lame man, the beautiful gate. For some reason, he has withdrawn the healing or largely diminished it. You know, he held it off for a while. Jesus didn't do it. The time wasn't right. But we saw the time was right when Peter and John came. They, they needed that testimony at that point, that time. So there was a reason. And of course, last I see here, it's a better thing. Oftentimes, there are dimensions of spiritual growth, like with Paul, which I've written here on the bottom, dimensions of spiritual growth, moral development, increase in knowledge of God in us that he desires more than our physical health. Sometimes he's, like I said earlier, with the guy, you know, the church I saw earlier, how he's more interested in spiritual growth and healing than he is in physical, because it's an important, bigger thing. It's an eternal thing. It's who we really are. Sometimes God desires that this maybe spiritual growth or development or knowledge of God increase in us more than physical health. Experiences that in his wisdom God has determined can only be attained by means or in the midst of or in response to less than perfect physical health. Like that of Paul's thorn in the flesh. Man of great faith, I'm sure he prayed, he says he prays. You know, he did all, he ticked all the boxes that we've seen already. But yet still, it was a better thing for him and all things for us. Like I said last week, how many times did God had to slow that man down? He would have kept going and going and going and going and going and we would have nothing left for us. He had to slow him down to stop, to, to rest, to minister churches. He had to slow him down by actually throwing him in prison to get him to write these books that we have before us. God has to do kind of things that we don't like and make us feel uncomfortable and stops us from doing what we want to do sometimes so that the bigger picture can be fulfilled. For instance, all these writings in the New Testament that came from Paul, from slowing him down and even slamming him in prison. So at this point, and this is in the conclusion of his book, he, he did make it very clear and used tons of scriptures that, that this is a matter of prayer. These things, healings, it's a matter of prayer and a matter of trust. Trusting that God is God and that he is in control. So it is a matter of prayer. Um, next slide, please. Now, I put this here, and I might have to end with this because of time, but um, maybe I'll just pull out the, the key points and read through it. But here I put a, a, an illustration, example in the scriptures where we have a dad who believes. He believes in Jesus. He believes in the healing power of God whatnot, but he's a bit skeptical. And I think sometimes we can feel that way. I believe in you, God, but I'm kind of, kind of running out of faith here. And so it goes on here. Where he, he, I'll, I'll read it. And someone you know, from the crowd answered, Teacher, so he's, this is a man speaking out to Jesus, calling him teacher. I brought my son to you, for he has a spirit that makes him mute. 
And whenever it sees him, it throws him down and he foams and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So we see this and I don't know, maybe today if we brought this to a doctor, he might be diagnosed positively, you know, with um, uh, various kinds of disabilities, maybe autism, he can't speak, maybe he's a real low functioning, but yet also prone to taking these seizures. You know, so this is a common thing we might see today. But yet this man came to Jesus trusting he could heal him. So I asked your disciples to cast it out and they were not able to. And he answered them, oh, faithless generation, how long am I to be with you? How long am I to bear with you? Bring him to me. So again, we see faith is an issue. So they brought the boy to him and when the spirit saw him, so the spirit sees Jesus, immediately he convulsed the boy and he fell on the ground and rolled about foaming at the mouth. And Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, from childhood. So since he was a baby, he had this seizure and, and he, was un, he, was, he had this learning disability. He was unable to learn how to speak. Okay? So since he was a child, and, and often it cast him to the fire. So of course, when he would convulse, have these seizures, he would have no control over his body, so he might put himself in a dangerous position, you know? And I used to work with fellows who would take seizures. And I remember we, the first thing you would do is you would carefully and subtly kind of lower them into, a, a, into a, a safe place low on the ground because you don't want them to, if he's having to, or she's having a seizure, to be up high because they might fall and hurt themselves. So what you do is you kind of help them slowly and subtly just get them onto the ground so that they can't hurt themselves and clear some space. So, but here, this, this boy would do it, and he would probably have a really you know, intense seizures as well. Or maybe he would get himself in places where he would get hurt, for example, by fire or, or drowning by falling into water or something. But again, it's a spiritual thing. It's very clear. And Jesus isn't rebuking him for claiming it's a, a spiritual thing. So these sicknesses can come from spiritual sources. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible. Oh, yeah, Jesus said to him, if you can. Oh, if you can. Like, what do you mean if you can? Of course, I'm Jesus Christ. I'm the Son of God. I'm the Master of the Molecules. All things are possible for one who believes. And we've already seen this. We're seeing it again. So, I, but, but the whole point where I put this in here, though, is this. If you guys just, just focus on this part. Immediately, the father of the child cried out and said. And so I, I feel like this man sometimes. And you might feel like this man sometimes. You know, here he is. He's, in, he's practicing faith. And he's there saying, Jesus, heal this man. I mean, your disciples can't do it. They're messing up. But can you heal him? Is it possible? And, and, and here he is. He believes. But yet he also has this element of unbelief. And that's why I have it underlined there on the bottom. He cries out, I believe. I trust in you, God. I have this total trust in you. But I'm struggling. I'm a bit of a skeptic. Help my unbelief. And so sometimes, sad Hurting believers, moms and dads, brothers and sisters, whatever. They need help with their unbelief. They need help. They trust. They're genuine trust in Jesus, but they struggle. 